Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant. Holy Lamb, and I'm here, as always, with Jordan Williams. How you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm exhausted, but I'm doing great. And it's not because we're talking about Ohio State like I normally say, although that's awesome. Um, it's because unless Twitter lied to me, as they tend to do recently, we have 27 straight days of football. Uh, this is the time where my relationship gets questioned, um, where by like day 15, I think I'm going to be single. But every single day after a long day of work, going to come home, turn on some football. Maction is on. I mean, like this is the best and worst part of the year because it's 27 days straight football all the way up to Thanksgiving, but essentially all the way up to Thanksgiving. Then there's one day off and then there's a bunch of games after that. But uh, it also means that football is almost over. So it's bittersweet. But I mean, I'm watching football now. There's Pac-12 after dark tonight. It's just Maction starting. With, what, what more could you ask for? Yeah, there's really not much more you could ask for, honestly. Uh, I, I it's I'm with you. I was like looking at the schedule today. I'm like, dang, like we're already seven games into the year for Ohio State. That's like halfway at minimum through the season. Like it, it's it's going fast. Like it's November, and that's when the real big football games start getting played. It's November, so uh, it's 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 winding down quickly. This year's flown by. I'm very excited for the home stretch. Obviously, like a lot of big games remaining, including. The one this week in Ohio State playing Penn State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Football's on today. It's on tomorrow. And it'll be the friend that's always there when you need him. And I don't think you ask for much more, especially with it getting colder out. And, you know, you always need something to do inside. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, you know, there's no wood near me, so I'm, I'm knocking on wood in good faith. Hopefully someone listening to the podcast will knock on some wood for me. It hasn't really been cold yet. Ohio Ohio doesn't realize that um, it's summer. I would like to take responsibility for this. I keep talking shit respectfully, disrespectfully, that Ohio doesn't believe in fall. It goes straight from summer to winter. And this is the first year that I felt like we've had a real fall in like 
a long time. Um, we haven't seen snow yet, so maybe that'll hold out for a little while longer, and then it'll be a couple, couple more good weekends before we're stuck in the house or battling snow. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I definitely do not want snow. Um, it, it's it's definitely a good time of year, though. The leaves are changing. We've got football. It's dangerous, you know. You've got football season and the new Call of Duty's coming out tomorrow, I believe. So. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Are you getting it? I would definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'll PS4 definitely. Five? I'm on the five. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're treated like that at Land Grant, Holy Land. Big <laughs> money. We got it like that. Um, no, so I'm really debating getting that. I had the last one or the one before the last one, and I, did, I deleted I got it during the pandemic, and I deleted it because it just made me mad. It was like way too many, like way too many downloads. Like I just kept having to delete oh, more yeah. and more things, and I didn't like that. Um, also, I've never really had people to play with because my friends always had Xboxes, and so we Oof. couldn't really play. But now I have a bunch of like people who do have PS5s, and they all play. And I'm like, mm, I actually would have people to play with. Maybe I should get it. So I haven't figured out if I'm going to do it or not. I, I just really like don't want to have to delete everything on my PlayStation to try to yeah, play the game. I, I, think, I hope they fixed it because I know a lot of the games I've gotten recently, like if I get the PS5 version, they've been smaller, like they've been smaller files for whatever reason. And I'm hoping that's the case with Call of Duty so I don't have to delete like six games so to make sure it keeps updating. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. So. But I'm still going to get it. I'm for sure getting it. I love Call of Duty. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I still have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be uh, if I do get it, I'm going to be getting carried. But uh, I'm going to be getting carried like Sean Clifford because I am not not good at uh, live shooters. So I'm very but, much a offline story yeah. mode kind of person. But maybe maybe uh, someone will become a Nick Singleton for me or something. I'm really yeah. probably just going to get beat up like they did against Michigan, if we're being honest. <laughs> but there's, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. It's like plant a bomb, plant the bomb. And you're like, what? Snipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But yeah, speaking of Penn State, I think I think it's time. I think we've we've had our conversation to get the show started, our cold open. I felt like it was a good time. Uh, but Penn State, you know, traveling to Happy Valley, I've been calling this the first real road test all week. You know, Ohio State did go on the road to Michigan State, but I don't think that game was ever in question in any way, possibly. Um, you know, when we called Ryan Day a liar uh, going into that game, I, I think Penn State is legitimately the most talented roster they're going to face until the big one at the end of the year. So this is a real challenge. It always is. You know, we – the only thing we have that we can continuously make fun of is Sean Clifford and the incrementally – and, and not in all positions, but – at most positions, incrementally better. Like, they get players rated as 90s. Ohio State gets players rated as 95s. Like, it's big in the grand scheme of things, but in the moment, it's pretty small. And I think that's what makes the game against Penn State so interesting. And going on the road to play them, it's not an easy place to play football. So, 
I'm excited for this. This is the most excited I've been for an Ohio State game all year. So even more so than the Notre Dame game because, like, we're finally really going to get to see what Ohio State's made of. It's been eight weeks. We've seen them against everybody. They've blown out almost everybody they've played. It's time to see them against an opponent with talent. And we could get into James Franklin and Manny Diaz in a little bit. Um, yeah, you know it's funny though. I listened to the um, I, I listened to the uh, the press conference, which I haven't done the last couple of weeks. And Ryan Day didn't do the whole "Oh, this is the best team that we've seen so far" because this is actually a good team. So he didn't need to compliment them. Uh, <laughs> you know, so Ryan Day's a lie. Like he didn't do it. Like he barely even talked about Penn State for real. And like he talked about some of the players. Uh, he did do his lying thing. Uh, it was either him. Or Jim Knowles lied about Sean Clifford. It's like, yeah, he's very accurate. He's a good thrower of the ball. And I'm like, okay, come on now. Like, you're landing on a little thick there. But he didn't do what he had been doing. Like, Toledo got more compliments than freaking Penn State did. So, um, it's funny how that flip switches. Yeah. Yeah. Like, your coach will be like, yeah, Michigan State, they've got some real dudes, man. We're going to have a big challenge. You You talk up the guys you need to. So, like, He's thinking the media is going to hear this like little tagline in a headline, and then out of nowhere, they're going to be like, "Oh, they played Michigan State. That's like the most talented team Ryan Day's seen." Uh, so they got to be pretty good. And then Penn State, everyone knows they're ranked. He doesn't have to talk up the matchup. It's like a big boxing match. Like you don't need like when Mike Tyson was fighting all those heavyweights, you didn't need to like build it up. Like everyone knew who Mike Tyson was. Like Evander Holyfield, you know, everyone knew that. Um, hopefully no ears get bitten off uh, so that uh, I mean, that would be a big football guy move but um, yeah it's just it's a big game it's a helmet game and that's what's the first question I have in the show plan I can't believe I've been asked it yet is Penn State a rival is Penn State Ohio State's rival yes they're more of a rival to me than Illinois is that's for sure I think they're a rival I just, I just think this. You can have more than one rival, right? Yeah. And I understand. Nor am I. I understand it'll never be Ohio State, Michigan. Nor should it be. But if Iowa can claim three rivalries, including one with Nebraska, who's been in the Big Ten a lot less, if Michigan can have two, if uh, at freaking Alabama can have two, Tennessee has like two or three. Tennessee has like six or seven. Yeah, like I just don't understand what like I don't know. I guess people feel like you're disrespecting the Michigan rivalry, which is like weird, but um, of late, um, Penn, Penn State State's has played. been the biggest rival. It's taken the most to beat them. And like all good rivalries, we've won seven out of the last eight. <laughs> so it's like, that's how they're supposed to be when you're the Buckeyes, but they're definitely a rival. I think you have to put them in that um, order. And I think one of the things... But just, I guess, to be fair, to be fair, one of the things that could make them, that could, like, strip away some of their rival status or, like, for people who don't think their rivals could prove a point is I don't believe that this game is going to be a priority to keep when they get rid of divisions. Um, I think it's going to be Michigan, and it's going to be one of the West Coast schools, and then it's going to be a bum. Uh, yeah, because no, they're going to do the last day to win. And so, like, people who don't think it's a rivalry could, you know, make that point. But there's going to be a lot of rivalries who don't get that, um, who, who are like, you know, who are not going to be able to keep that rotation anyway. So I do think it's a rivalry. I think playing 
two times in four years is still going to be able to keep the rivalry um, and make it even a little bit sweeter um, sometimes. Um, maybe give Penn State a chance to beat us. They're not going to do that. Not with James Franklin. He's a non-serious coach, but absolutely a rival in my opinion. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I, I did Obviously, you know, Penn State was a late addition to the Big Ten. It was before expansion was cool. So, like, there isn't that incredibly long history with Ohio State. But there is a history there. And ever since they've come to the Big Ten, it was Joe Paterno. And that was in his heyday when he was still a well-respected coach, you know. And, you know, they had good football teams. So, I I just think from then till, you know, Paterno versus Tressler, I remember those games as a kid, you know, the upset when Penn State kicked the field goal, like that stuff sticks with you. And I think they have all the aspects of a rivalry. And I don't think like just because like Michigan, Michigan State's a great example. Ohio State's still Michigan's biggest rival. But I think they're Michigan State's a huge rival to them as well. I think Penn State kind of fits that Michigan State version to us. You know, I don't want to use like the brother analogy, but you know, they're chasing us. They want to be Ohio State. And the only way to do that is beat them. And I think that's the basis to like a very good secondary rivalry. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's a rivalry in every aspect, right? It happens on the field. It happens off the field. Um, you and and. Like they recruit similar players, especially at certain positions. I mean, there's even rivalry among position groups, like who's LBU, right? Who's D line U? I mean, um, freaking um, our D line coach coached that both of them. We stole him from yeah. Penn State. Like Mike Yurich came from Ohio State, and is he their current OC or, pre- or yeah. was one of the? Yeah, he's their current he's the right? Yeah, like, current OC. Like, Recruits. I mean, we got Julian Fleming out of PA. Um, we go for a lot of people. Um, I know that we've gotten. I mean, they. It was Micah Parsons, right? That we should have got, and then he was brought up, and we couldn't get him, right? Yeah, he went on College Game Day, and that was like an impermissible benefit. Well, it, it's and a rival in so every sense. Yeah, uh, and so I just think that like. I don't know how you don't consider it a rivalry. Um, there's bad, but I mean. And we've seen living proof of this, although I don't think they play both of them. I, I, I don't think they play both of us at home often. But if they played Michigan and Ohio State in the same year, which game is the whiteout? Ohio State. Ohio State yeah. is almost always the whiteout. And and that and that's why they're sick that noon, that Fox got it at noon, because it's not going to be the whiteout this year. But Ohio State is almost guaranteed to be the whiteout. Because in most years, that's a night game when it's over there. So, I mean, I don't know how you could say that it's not, except saying it wasn't a rivalry 80 years ago. And if you don't think you can create new rivalries, then what are we doing? Yeah, like what, UCF and UConn created a rivalry out of thin air. And I know that game means significantly less than Ohio State versus Penn State. And like you said, it comes down to everything that happens. Like what made Ohio State versus Michigan such a great ride? And this isn't a compare. This is not a direct comparison. I'm just saying, building on what you said, same recruits, you know, always competing for the conference title against each other. Penn State has the same ingredients to that recipe. So – I just I'm, – I'm tired of people saying they're not a rival. Uh, they're not the main rival, but they are a rival. They're a divisional rival at most or at least, and they're a real rival at most. Like, I, I don't know why 
fans are so apprehensive to do that. But I, I agree. I, I think we're on the same page here. Uh, Penn State is been a thorn in the side of Ohio State for 10 years, making them sweat out many games. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And yeah. Plus, like you said, the whiteout thing, the passionate Penn State fans hold for beating Ohio State. It's like they're holy grail. Yeah, I, and honestly, I didn't remember this until I was listening to a podcast today. Um, they almost stole Zach Harrison from us. Yeah, they like were. that recruit went down. That recruitment went down to the wire, and it was between uh, them and us. Like, it, like it's like I already said, man. It's in every aspect. Um, and like, let's be honest. If we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. They wanted Jim Knowles, and. Yeah. The reporters asked Ryan Day if he if he interviewed Manny Diaz. I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, like everyone wanted Jim Knowles, you can't tell me that Penn State didn't interview him or, or wanted to. So it's just like, you know. And as a good rivalry is when you're an Ohio State fan, we came out on top. Julian, Kyle McCord, um, Larry Johnson, Marvin Larry Harrison Johnson, Jr., yeah. Jim Knowles, Zach Harrison. Like we're winning, but it's still a rivalry, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's crazy uh, how intertwined these programs are, and like fans, like don't like or not, I don't even want to say fans. I think a lot of fans are actually pretty good about it. There's like a subgroup of some fans who just don't even acknowledge the fact that, like, yeah, Penn State does recruit some good players, and they are a good football team, and that's why these games have been within 13 points the last like eight years. Yep. Um, uh, I don't know what it is, but... Yeah, it is they, funny, the, the Jim Doles thing. Honestly, like, I don't think any Ohio State... Like, if they didn't get Jim... Like, if Penn State got Jim Doles, that would have sucked for Ohio State, right? But I don't think Ohio State fans would have been mad about Manny Diaz. They would have convinced themselves. Um, I have some issues with Manny Diaz, but he is a good coach. For sure. I think he, he's a good defense. I, I won't say great defense. He's a good defense. He was much, he would have been a much better defense coordinator than Kerry Combs. That's what I'll leave it at. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I agree with that. But he has been a head coach before, very recently, clearly. So he probably would have fit the head coach of the defense you know, mantra. I think yeah. that he was definitely an option, you know, two or three. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're like speculating. I wouldn't be surprised if they contacted Doug Belk out of Houston um, and stuff like that. But we got the guy. We got him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Costs a lot of money, but it's been worth it so far. Tommy Eikenberg's going to win an award. Come on now. Don't get me started. Uh, I love doing that. I just love throwing Tommy Eikenberg into our show. Just, I, I mean, like, how can it, you it, not? If you transcribe every single podcast on the Ohio State, like, pod, like any of the podcast feeds, our shows said Tommy Eichenberg more than all of them by a significant margin. It's not even starting close. in Since freaking January. January. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, a lot of podcasts talk about them, but we are the Tommy Eichenberg flagship show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the conductors of the Tommy train, it's beyond off the rails. Uh, it's going at dangerous speeds. There's a curve coming up, you, and we're about to crash into uh, you a, a whole the, bunch of Nittany Lions. The, the Back to the Future franchise? Uh, kind of. Not really. I'm more familiar with jokes about it, but I yeah. have seen the first one at least. All right. Well, the third one, 
they go back to the Wild West, and the only way they could get the time machine device back up to 88 miles an hour is riding the train up to 88 miles an hour. We're way past that. We're, we're in hyperdrive. Oh, in yeah. that it's, we're, um, we are very, very close to being uh, high-speed rails that they have in China. Um, why we don't have those in the United States, that's not my place. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I've seen those things. Uh, and we're, cool. we're, we're, we're very close um, to beating that. Very, very dangerous levels of uh, Tommy Hype around here. And the, the thing about it is it's not Hype no more. He's proven it. I mean, yes. that interception, I like. It was over for me. Like, why are you um, doing this to me? Yeah. What's another train Invite me to Thanksgiving. Thing. Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt may will make a movie about it. Uh, you I know, mean, it's Train cool. to Bouchon, like I don't know. Yeah, a lot of good movies about trains. Actually, we're, we're on we're on the train kicking ass. That's what we're doing. Like, I haven't seen Plain. Train to Bouchon because I wanted. I've heard you need to see the original, um, like the actual Korean one and not the American remake. Uh, but we're on the train kicking ass. That's what we're doing. It's a scary movie. Scary for everyone involved, uh, except for us. Because we're yeah. the leaders of the train, uh, scary. Season. I feel, yeah. I feel like there scary was a train. Yeah, I feel like there was a train involved somewhere in one of the uh, freaking. Um, oh no! In the very first uh, Resident Evil, there was a train involved that uh, shut down the train. I mean, like it's scary season. It doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, you can't stop the Tommy train. We have covered Ohio State Halloween film. It's just, it's a great show. It's a great I mean, show. Why, do you, why else do you listen to this podcast? Come on now. Yeah. Call of Duty, right. don't forget that. Yeah, uh, we, we got video game, games guys. in here. I can't wait to put in all the tags. No. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, Penn State report. Let's get into it. I, I'm tired. So, like, last week, everything we said about Iowa was true. Like, the anger. And then, to before we get started, uh, it was funny. Uh, Doug LaMaurice's of uh, Cleveland.com asked uh, Kirk Ferentz a very pointed question about his son as the offensive coordinator. And Kirk Ferentz has brought it up in his th- most three recent media availabilities about how – uh, the first one was that he really wishes he wasn't, he's really happy he wasn't that guy. It was like an interrogation. Uh, and I'll be honest, he was, he, Iowa, Iowa beat writers have to live through hell on a weekly basis. And Ohio State beat writers do not. So I think they were really just chomping at the bit to get some hard questions asked you know like you the only hard questions ohio state beat writers try to ask are ones about injuries and we already know the answer it's not going to be an answer so they finally got to ask a coach some questions that they've been holding in since Kerry combs was fired and now kirk ferentz is still thinking about it on thursday because he had another media availability where he talked about it yeah, honestly, that's just soft to me. Just a non-serious guy. Come on, bro. You're 67. Don't act like that. Four, you, you're interrogated. What, Shut, five up. Days? Shut up. Five days? Five days thinking about a beat writer asking you a question. All he had As to do like, was not acknowledge it the next time. Or, you know, he brought it up unprovoked the second time. Like He just brought it up himself. Yeah, or you know, to have some freaking stones and um, fire your son. Yeah, or quit. How about that? Yeah, quit. Just yeah. quit. Make Brian Ferentz a head coach so he can't mess up the offense. 
because he'll have to hire an offensive coordinator. I think I just had a 40 galaxy brain Kirk Ferentz move right there. Get him into like a special advisory role with Kirk Ferentz and then like let Brian Ferentz be the head coach and then just let Phil Parker do what he does and bring in a real offensive coordinator. Problem solved, Iowa, and it works in Kirk Ferentz's plan. Yeah, I just like I was just I was I was thinking about that. Listen, and then they uh, they played it on the Andy Staples show, and they had Doug Lemmerich on there, and it just made me mad because like just a non-serious guy, man. Like it's just like, what are we doing? You're 67. You got kids and grandkids. You're a millionaire, and you're complaining because somebody asked you a hard question, and a true question at that because you refused to fire your son, like. Or even, was. or even acknowledge that there's actually a problem, which is honestly worse for me. If you acknowledge that there was a problem and then we're just like, but I don't believe in making firings. We're going to acknowledge, we're going to, you know, self-scout, whatever. Cool. going to do the Mark D'Antonio. We're just going to reshuffle the staff. Yeah, it's not enough for me, but it's at least a start. He won't even acknowledge that there's a problem and he acts like you are crazy for even considering it. Uh, nah, I don't like that. Non-serious. I could never be an Iowa fan, but if I was an Iowa fan, I wouldn't be anymore because how could you be a fan of that guy? Yeah, honestly, I'd have a picket fence sign or what, what's it called? A picket? Yeah, I don't know. What are those strike signs? Uh, I'd be outside Iowa, Kinnick Stadium every day. Yeah, like, I don't know. Oh, I, with with most multi-million dollar industries, you can't really hurt their pockets, had, but I'd find someone else. This of soft people in power like recently like Dan Snyder like kicking fans out for saying sell the team uh, he had Jim Harbaugh blaming James Franklin's team for like instigating a fight in a locker room that's all Michigan's fault like when you really break down that area and how the players get onto the field the person who built the stadium it's their fault it's not the teams like you're in a highly competitive environment like I when I heard that Jim Harbaugh blamed Penn State's players for that on Monday, I think it was. I, I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, what the hell is this yeah. guy doing? I, I don't defend Jim Harbaugh, but uh, James Franklin started it. Jim Harbaugh's comments was in response to something James Franklin said. Yeah, also James Franklin is uh, soft. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. because James Franklin, <laughs> James Franklin is yeah, soft. Uh, but also James Franklin was right about what he said. It's like, why do we have two exiting lockers going right at each other at the same time? Like, you can't have like some marshal like making sure there's like a two minute window like, or something. Yeah, like, like if you're if you're gonna keep the tunnel, you at least need to so many preventative measures. Yeah. We uh, in junior college, we only had one walkway. So, like, guess what? There was two ushers for each team, and they held every. We had the further walk, and they held us back as they walked on. And then, guess what? We walked on. Oh yeah, man! And we definitely did not have. We did not have the resources of the University of Michigan. Nope. But you know, it, it does make for some pretty sick clips for hype videos, though. Yeah, but I think it's funny that, like, that's what people are complaining about. Like, that's what you're complaining about, really? Yeah. James Franklin's complaining about that after they lost by 30 points. I mean, that's called a deflect. Yeah, like, shut up, man. Like, figure it out. Like, we already talked about James Franklin's comments, didn't we? How that made me mad? I don't think so, actually. Um, 
Oh, maybe I talked about it on maybe I talked about it on I-70. Basically, he essentially like tried to blame his problems and his team not being tough on the players. He was like, we have to play better. We have to recruit better. We have to do this better. He was like, um, all, we have to get bigger and stronger. And then he put it on the players. He's like, all the players want to be Aaron Donald. Uh, they think, you know, being smaller is this and like, you know, but you got to realize that that's only a once in a lifetime person, you can't all be Aaron Donald. And I'm just like, hmm, uh, you recruit. So if you want bigger players, you could recruit bigger players. You also are supposed to have a weight room staff. So if you want your players to be bigger, get them in the weight room. You're blaming players for wanting to be quote unquote Aaron Donald. Well, don't recruit players that want to be Aaron Donald. Yeah. You know, and you know what? Maybe help them achieve their dream of becoming the next Aaron Donald. That's that's an option, too, if you're really great at developing players. You think Larry Johnson looks at his interior defense alignment and says, no, you can't be Aaron Donald. No, he lays out the potential plan and he tries to get him there. And that's why Ohio State stole him from Penn State. God, this show just keeps whipping back. This is awesome. Uh, all right, let's get into the Penn State report. Uh, let's start soft. with the offense. Yeah, let's start. With, yeah, honestly, you, we thought of, like Ohio State was soft last year. This they're uh, very, very. Uh, I'm trying to think of something soft, like a pillow. Honestly, Charmin, Charmin, ultra soft. Uh, um, no, I think yeah. so. The thing about Penn State, um, as we get kind of – I still your thunder, I guess, to get into the Penn State report. They have talented players, but it's almost – it's funny. This is like a weird um, – it, it's almost like a weird kind of thing. Um, they remind me of the Colts in a sense, and the reason why I say this is they have good players, but they have good players in non-impact positions. Like they don't have a good quarterback – they don't have a good wide receiver. I like Par- Parker Washington, but Parker Washington is not Jahan Dotson. He's no. not, you know, some of the guys that they've had before. He's not really a game changer. Um, you know, they consider themselves to be linebacker you, but unless that linebacker is Micah Parsons and even he has limits, like they're not really winning you the game. And, you know, Curtis Jacobs is good. We'll go down the, the roster a little bit, but he's not Micah Parsons either. Uh, it's like they like, but where they where you really, really need the players, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, they don't have it. So it's like. They and the Colts are like that. Like the Col- the Colts' best players are their linebacker and their guard. It's not the tackle; it's the guard and, and the interior defensive lineman. But there's nobody that can get sacks. Like that's kind of what Penn State reminds me of. And it's like you have these players that are good who can make some sort of change. But when you when you make some sort of difference, but when you look at the aggregate of the entire game, the linebacker is only going to do so much. And I hate to say that as someone who thinks linebacker is one of the most important positions on the field, but linebackers are important because they can lose you games. They don't necessarily win you games. Bad linebackers will lose you games, absolutely, but a great linebacker is not really going to win you games. They're just going to give you a chance to stay in it. Um, and so that's the hard thing with Penn State because, like, sure, they have some guys, but they don't have a team. Um, not a real one. Not a legit one for, for you know, being at the top of the Big Ten playoff contender, national championship contender. Yeah, I, I don't think you could have put it more eloquently, honestly. I took that from the heart watching the Colts every week and then I hate put the it Colts. on Penn State. And, 
you know, it's crazy because I, I think, you know, they had Christian Hackenberg, who was like an all-world five-star recruit when he got there, uh, ended up not being very good. Trace McSorley was a guy that, like who didn't even really belong there, if I recall. No, that was Matt McGloin. Same thing. But Trace McSorley, like, he was a solid quarterback. And, like, he – like, I don't know. Sean Clifford was a higher higher – Uh, a greater recruit than Trace McSorley was. And he just hasn't really fully gotten better. He's been the same player for almost four years, it feels like. And I think that's honestly, if you want to see why Penn State keeps coming up short, it's looking directly at the quarterback position. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um Their offensive line and defensive line also aren't up to the level of the better teams in the Big Ten either. And I think those three spots, like in the Big Ten, are incredibly important. Yeah, especially their offensive line. I mean, like, and they've gotten a slight bump this year uh, with their left tackle, who is a uh, essentially he and Paris Johnson in the same class. But he wasn't expected to be this at this time. But there's like no one else. And, and a, a, one good offensive lineman could only do so much for you. Ask Northwestern. They got Peter Skanonke. Yeah, what waste. is that doing for them? <laughs> like, it, like, literally, it's a waste. Is Peter Skanonke uh, draft eligible? Yes. It sucks. I was going to say, maybe, you know, maybe when Ohio State's in the market. Yep. Nope. He will be out of here. He played as a freshman in the pandemic season. This is his third year. Can't have nice. Oh, I guess we can't have nice things. That was a little rude, but can't have nicer things. Yeah. Yeah. And make him a. What do you even play for us? Right tackle next next year. Uh, I don't know. Oh, next year I guess we might put him at left tackle. Paris is gone for sure. Yeah, I'm just counting the days, honestly. Uh, yeah, so Sean Clifford, uh, I, I had the stats. I'm trying to pull them up. Uh, in his first start against Ohio State, he threw for 70 yards. Uh, that's <laughs> not good. That's that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And they were – I don't know how they stayed in that game as long as they did. I'm guessing Ohio State's undoing without looking at, like, the game itself. Um what was it in uh 2020 he went 18 for 30 281 yards three touchdowns that was his best game i think uh and then last year he threw the ball 52 times uh with it was like six and a half yards per attempt through the air so he was basically a running back who was just throwing the ball a lot <laughs> that's funny um yeah and throw, Sean Clifford throwing 50 times a game is uh, not a recipe for success. Yeah. Um, and he, he probably won't throw 30 times this or 50 times this week because they have two running backs who are pretty good. But they don't have an offensive line. So that yeah. is going to be the, that is going to be the most interesting thing. Um, are they the best? No, because we no, because we faced. We faced say, uh, Wisconsin's running back, so not the best running back we've seen. But it will be interesting to see if they can run the ball on us. Hmm. Definitely a very good like measuring stick. You know, I don't think Nick Singleton or Katrin Allen are as good as Braylon Allen right now or their offense line, but they're definitely 
very talented backs. And if Ohio State's not playing, if their defense line doesn't play well, like they're capable of ripping off some big plays. Like Nick Singleton does have home run hitting ability. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, do I think Penn State is going to, you know, sustain a bunch of drives on us and do all of that kind of stuff? No, I can't say that I do. But, you know, could Nick Singleton or Katron Allen break off a big run? Um, could they get a pick six? Um, could Parker Washington, who, again, is – an above average wide receiver. He's just not a great one. Could he roast our corners and uh, jump up for a crazy 50-50 ball for a touchdown? Absolutely. So yeah. um, I think that this is a game where, um, like, yeah. in a weird way, Jim Knowles' style kind of hurts us because you all, against Penn State, you almost want to play more conservative and, like, make them earn it because you know they're going to make a mistake where they're a team that's going to be able to get some big plays and maybe that's it. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good way to look at it because, you know, it's frustrating. You know, like Parker Washington is a good receiver. Like, I, I think a lot of people are going to forget that because he's going to make a play. He's going to make one catch. I believe it. Like, And people are going to be like, man, the corners play terrible. But if – Parker Washington's held to like one catch or like four catches for like 38 yards. That's a heck of a performance by the corners. You know, and even if he's not, I mean, um, why can't I think of his name right now? Who's your wide receiver last year? Jahan Dotson went Jahan crazy Dotson, yeah. last year, but we still won because one person can't beat you. But Parker Washington's not Jahan Dotson. So it would still look worse for us if he did the same thing. But yeah, you definitely want to put him in check because the way Tommy's playing, the way Steele is playing, and the way the interior defensive line's playing, I think everyone's going to have a hard time running on us. Yeah, and to build on that, the only way right now that teams could attack Ohio State is passing the ball downfield, and that's because the corners have been the only group who have shown consistently that they can be beat. And last week, the last two weeks, the corners have been playing a lot better. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm really excited. The biggest, the thing I'm most excited for from the Penn State side with Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. I want to see Jordan Hancock play 25, 30 snaps this game to see what he's really about. Then you have Denzel Burke. Let's see if he's really back to what he was last year. Yeah. Um, that's going to be fun. Um, I, I do, like, you know, hope that we get Cam Brown back so that there can be some sort of rotation. Um, at this point, it's probably a four-man rotation if he's back. Ja'Kalen Johnson, I think, has earned his playing time. Jordan Hancock and then obviously Denzel Burke and Cam Brown. Um, without having Cam, um, it's a little thin, especially if someone's having a bad day. But I definitely want to see, you know, you've heard just so much about Jordan Hancock. I definitely want to see him against against this team yeah. healthy uh, and, and getting some, some good quality snaps at big moments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving to Penn State's defense, let's do that. You know, I, so to finish the offense, I don't think Penn State's offensive line is very good. So I really expect a pretty big match, uh, like a like a pretty big performance from the defensive line again. Yeah. Um, 
it, I'm like, very, right. actually, so go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say like, you know, Spencer Petras can't run. Uh, Alex Padilla can't run. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle Sean Clifford scrambling, but pressuring Sean Clifford is the easiest way to beat Penn state. If you get consistent pressure on Sean Clifford, it's a long day for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to be very excited to see what they do with the defensive line because they are going to try to run. So we didn't see much of Zach Harrison on the inside. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see um, if Zach Harrison gets inside on some third downs and some stuff like this um, against Penn State. Um, side note, did you know that uh, – did you look at the snap counts for last week? I did not. Um, JT played the most snaps for defensive end despite not starting. Like, I don't know, like, if you have to earn the starting rotation, like, just being the first person out there or whatever or however it is, but – JT, yeah. I, st- I still think, is like the number one guy on the ends, but he almost is never the first guy on the field. I think that's interesting. But he always plays yeah. the most snaps. I'd honestly probably say it's probably just because in that game specifically, like Jack Sawyer is a little bit on the smaller side still. And Iowa was using quite a bit of big personnel. So I think that's why you saw more Zach Harrison, more JT, more uh, uh, what's Javante John Baptiste. Like, because I think Javante Jean-Baptiste, I, I saw it in an article. I didn't see it like with everything else. He played a lot of snaps as well. So I, I think it was mostly just the size that Penn, or Iowa was choosing to play with, the type of personnel they were choosing to play with. And Zach Harrison was playing like a beast. I, they were both playing incredibly well too, Zach Harrison and JT Tuamale. So why would you take him off the field, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. I just think it's funny because the rotation is more important than who's the first person to step on the field. But <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of how it was with was it was it Haskell Garrett last year? He did. He was never the first guy on the field, or, or maybe it was two years ago, and he'd end up playing like the most snaps out of all the defense tackles. Yeah, something like that. Um, Larry Johnson just be doing stuff, you know. Yeah. He's a magician. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like. And not to cut you out, I do think that, like, there's probably much more that goes into it situationally that we're just not keen to yet. Right. Or ever will be. But, like, I just, I just feel like he's smart. He's a smart guy. Absolutely. Um, good guy. Good, glad to have him on the team. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be, I think, um, I think whoever's lined up on the right tackle is going to have to feast. And I think that this is going to be a Mike Hall day because I don't think their center and guards are very good. Whoever's lined up against the left tackle, like it'd be great if they, you know, have some good moments, but I do think the left tackle is pretty good. Maybe he can wall off a side, but I think the pressure that we could potentially get up the middle is going to be um, worrisome for them, which is then going to be the biggest thing is going to be containing Sean on the run, which I mean, last time we saw a running quarterback who again is a better athlete than Sean it did not go great for us with uh, Toledo yeah Daquan Finn had some fun so Sean Clifford I'd say I don't know I think Daquan Finn has a cannon but I'd probably I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that I'm not comparing them they're two different quarterbacks yeah Uh, totally (laughs) a little bit they both throw a little bit Uh, that's about where it ends yeah um but I'm right, always yeah. a little worried about the running quarterback. Yeah. That's always our weakness. Well, like Penn State's biggest offensive play was off a read option where Michigan's whole defense took the outside zone to the running back, and then Chuck Clifford had 
the Red Sea parted for him by Moses in the big house and got caught from behind at the five yard line. As as he's as he is uh, expected, See, even when he does everything right, he still just comes up a little short. Yeah, <laughs> which we don't have to. We don't need to get into the like the questioning of why he's been a like a five year starter because uh, he's good. He's true. just not great. It's uh, it's you do worse than him. It's because James Franklin better than him? soft. Yeah, soft. Once again, that's a word. And do they best with Will Levis? Last year, I think they do. Um, no, because James Franklin can't develop like a quarterback. That's why Sean Clifford hasn't changed in five years. Okay, that's fair. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so, what, what am I talking he, about here? It's talking about James Franklin. Uh, all right, defensively, uh, <laughs> let's run through it. I, I think we're going to talk a lot about defensive players after the break when we kind of do that game. Everyone's playing on Twitter, but I just wanted to run through like the quick stats here. Um, God, I need to get glasses. Uh, opponents points per game, 18.9, pretty good. Uh, opponents yards per game, 49th in the country. Yards per play, they're giving up five, 31st in the country. Like, they're not a bad defense by any means. But Iowa's defense was significantly ranked better than Penn State's. And Ohio State put 47 on them. And I'll be honest, Manny Diaz loves to blitz. He plays a lot of man coverage behind. And, you know, when Ohio State made the adjustments, you know, they were preparing for Phil Parker's zone and all that stuff. When they made the adjustments and started, Iowa kept playing man and Ohio State made the adjustments, it was over. Because there aren't many defensive backs who can consistently stay with these receivers. Uh, The reason Manny Diaz, and I think this scheme actually matches up okay against Ohio State, is... We saw pressure kind of impact the younger offensive lineman on the left side. We saw, uh, you know, Stroud try to force a few throws when they'd switch up into zone coverage. And I think Manny Diaz is a smart enough guy to understand that, hey, we can't bring pressure at the 78% clip we usually like to do. We're going to have to reel this back and play. Like, you know, we always talk about Ryan Day wanting to play balance. His defense needs to be a little bit more balanced if they want to have any chance of stopping Ohio State. Yeah, because the thing is, you can't blitz C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is excellent against the blitz. Um, And these wide receivers will get open against the blitz. Um, I guess the the one thing that does help them is having Joey Porter Jr. But, you know, you only have one of them. Well, we have, I would have Riley Moss. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, uh, so, I mean, they're going to get open. You can't, you can't blitz against this team. Not that much. You're just asking to um, – you're just asking to get hurt, especially because, like – I don't know this off the top of my head. Do you know this? Is Joey Porter Jr. fast? Like, if, if they uh, catch a slant, are we going to run away from him? I feel like we might. I think I, I think, I think, think all three receivers could run away from him. Yeah. But I, like, I think it's much closer than open. He's going to stay in front of them. But, like, if CJ Stroud puts that in the, in, in the bucket. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 
they might run away from him. And that's going to be the problem with blitzing because you're not going to have any help over the top. The combination of Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. is what you kind of need. Um, so, yeah, and yeah. as much as I like Jair Brown, he's not a guy you want playing man coverage against a guy like Emeka Ibuka yeah. or Jackson Smith and Jigba, depending on how that situation turns out. Yeah, he's but, not Jaquan Brisker. He's good, but yeah. he's not. He's not that guy. So it's really an interesting matchup, honestly. Like Manny Diaz plays into what Ryan Day likes to attack the most, and that's something where I'm just like Manny Diaz. It's it's going to be a big challenge because you want to know you want to do what you do philosophically. Like I was still wanted to drop into their quarters. They wanted to keep everything in front of them. They wanted to use stunts on the line of scrimmage, but they're like, how can we throw them off? Let's blitz the linebackers and let's get it. So. You study film. Obviously, Jim Knowles looks at film. Obviously, Ryan Day looks at film. Everyone in the room is watching film. They see all these tendencies. The only way like you could really throw off an offense like Ohio State is doing something a little outside the box than you usually do. Um, yeah, which that's going to be interesting. I wonder if they kind of do the opposite of Iowa and play more like drop eight, kind of, you know, drop seven zone kind of thing. Make Stroud be patient a little yeah, bit. Yeah, something when he's, like that. And I think, I think the one place where Ohio State could really just dominate this game against Manny Diaz's defense is Manny Diaz has never had a stout defense against the run. And we saw the one team with similar talent on the offensive line and in the backfield as Ohio State run for, was it 400 yards? Yep, like 418, I believe. So... I do believe this is a good bounce back opportunity for the Ohio State running game. And Trayvon Henderson had 150 yards against him last year. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think that you can't look at things through rose colored glasses, but there was some success in the running game. And I think this team just didn't try. Like, like some of the problems with the running game is like, they just didn't, they didn't check out a place when they had eight people. Ryan Day was just like, okay, we're still going to run it. Like, he was calling inside runs when he should have called outside runs and outside runs when he should have called inside runs. We weren't going to put up 200 yards against Iowa, but it could have looked a lot better. So I'm not as concerned as maybe you should be for what the stats were. But if it happens again, now then obviously we have a problem. But I I do think that this is a game where we run the ball. uh, Yeah. Well, I agree. I think Travion Anderson did a fine job. I don't think they handled him the ball that often. The tough one to watch was Mayan. Like, he did not look fully healthy. So, hopefully, at another week, you know, he didn't have a lot of reps. He had, I think he had less reps than Trey in the game. So, I'm hoping another week, another little bit of healing happened. And he's got that. Because Mayan Williams is not a guy who could lose the burst he had. Because it was not like Travion Henderson's burst. Uh Mayan's a two-gear runner. Travion Henderson's like a four-gear runner. So, you know, if he's losing a gear, he's still faster than almost everybody on the football field. Right. That is not the case for Mayan. Yeah, that is that is true. But I think that this is going to be um, definitely clearly not an easy game. It never is. But I think it will be a bounce-back game in some uh, capacities for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think we'll save the Joey Porter stuff. Yeah. Uh, for after it. The last thing I kind of want to touch before we hit a break is uh, the Iowa game. This was from a 
uh, 11 Warriors was the least balanced game of the season by miles. And it was obvious in yardage too. like every other game. It's been like 40, 60 rushing to passing. This one was 18 to 82. So I think Ryan Day is going to look to get that a little bit corrected. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you need to. Yeah, I think um, this, I mean, Ohio State's never been, except Dwayne Haskins' year, uh, that far into one direction run or pass. They try to be as balanced as possible. I really think the Iowa game was a one-off. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see. I'm hoping for a big bounce back. I think that'll take us into the break. Uh, After the break, we're going to talk about which Penn State players could start at Ohio State, and I've got a hint on my answers. It starts with a Z and ends with an O. But we'll get into it anyways, uh, and we'll see you guys after these ads. Welcome back in, everybody. It's your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Bug Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. Jordan is still with me. Uh, How do you feel like... When you saw this question come up on your Twitter feed, it, how, how'd that make you feel? I was like, at first, I was like shocked that it was even asked. And second, I thought about it. And then third, I got into like kind of a little bit of a deep dive into Penn State's roster. And then I found my answers. But I just wanted to get your initial feeling that this question dug Yeah, up. I thought it was interesting. And I think the initial feeling was just kind of like my initial thought was not many. And then I actually had to think about it. Like, is this actually true or is this biased? And then that spiraled into like, man, why does Penn State always keep this close? Like, even thinking back to many, like back years and years, there's, I guess, like in most cases, their number one or number two player could play or start at Ohio State, but their depth and and a lot of their other twenty two couldn't. So, uh, and I think that's the case this year, uh, maybe more so than others actually. And so I was like, man, like. I don't know what kind of, you know, what Penn State be doing, but they always keep this game close, even though there's not that many players I think would would start here. So, um, but my initial thought was not many, and I I think that I was right about that. But uh, I didn't have that many time, that much time to kind of like, think about my opinion of it because I was just reading other people's opinions and I was like um, there's no way you've watched either of these teams play like one person yeah, right? I think maybe it's the list that we're going off had a list of like seven or eight guys and I was like you're drunk like you're absolutely <laughs> tripping if you think you can name seven or eight guys who are starting um, at Ohio State yeah and that's that's where I was at like I I know they're not nearly as explosive as Ohio State at any position. I And I, I'd say there's, like, maybe a few you could, like, call a toss-up. But, like, outside of, like, yeah, honestly, I'm looking at every position. Like, I don't see anyone statistically, like, standing out. Except, you know, like, Jair Brown is one. And like you said, like you literally said it, like their top guy, their top one or two most years could play at Ohio State like, and potentially start. And I just don't see that this year. And that's why I, I liked using this guy's list because I know it was completely unbiased. He took a lot of Penn State's best players and said, hey, I think these guys could start at Ohio State. And I think, you know what, Bear, think what you think. Uh, but you want to start with the offensive guys or the defensive guys? 
Uh, let's start with the offensive guys because that's the easiest list to come up with. I think that there's actually some conversation that we could have with the defense. All right, yeah, let's go through it. Receivers, Parker Washington, uh, start there. 30 catches, 388 yards. Uh, guess where he'd be ranked if he played at Ohio State in those categories? Last. Be, he'd be third in catches, last in yards. How many touchdowns does he have? Uh, less than all three. Yeah. Um, he also has Sean Clifford. He has one touchdown, actually. I found it real quick. Yeah, but you can't say that he has Sean Clifford thing because um, – Jahan Dotson played well. Yeah, you're right. You're him. right. You're right. So, um, I I think that he would be at best five. Uh, yeah, you know, I think you know Marvin. Like, if we're counting Jackson Smith and Jigba, for sure five. Yeah. And then, like, is he significantly better than the guys Ohio State doesn't play? I don't know. I don't, but I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say that he is. I'm going to tell you uh, Brian Hartline didn't hand pick out Parker Washington when he was recruited. Yeah, and and honestly, the thing that we're talking about with him is really talent because he does not have the body type that Brian Hartline likes. Yeah, and I, I like him. Like we both, I think we could both agree he's a really good receiver in the Big Ten. He's just – he doesn't have the same – Ceiling as some of Ohio State's receivers. Yeah. Uh, quick question. Uh, slight pause. Um, if you're at a football game, front row, they throw the ball to you. Are you keeping it or are you giving it back? I think this guy in the Virginia Tech game just gave it back, and I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'd probably keep it. I, I don't know. Like, what are they going to do? Like, And they have a million 80, of them. I'm keeping it. It's $85 okay. football. Like, you know, I, like. They have a million. You guys got more. Okay. I, I just want to I do know one. some quarterbacks get like super weird about their footballs, but. Well, get over it. They did like up? four or five balls. So, like, you can't be that weird about it anymore. I say it's even more than that. I used to be a ball boy. Yeah. It, I, I, yeah. You did the – you're doing – it's a very underappreciated job, the amount of work ball boys have to do. Yeah. Uh, it's also great because you get the best spot on the field. But, um, yeah, because you have to follow – you have to stand right behind the ref. Yeah. So I used to ball boy at Kent, one of my many responsibilities there. And I had four or five balls on me all the time. Pause. I feel like that needs a pause. But we also had another one on the other side. So between the two of us, there was somewhere between eight and ten. Because we had this like <laughs> we had this ball warmer kind of like insulated thing that held three. And Please then nobody clip had... this. <laughs> and then you always had one or two in your hand. So there's eight to ten in rotation at any given point. And then that doesn't include like if they're waterlogged or something like that and you have to replace them at halftime. That is a that's a that was a very dangerous conversation. And it's just ended up that. But, um, Out of context, college football, baby. <laughs> they have a lot of them. This is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Balls everywhere. <laughs> yeah, except well, on the coaching staff, I guess. Because I don't, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, all right, yeah, we were talking about Parker Washington. Yeah, but uh, Parker Washington's five. Where's Mitchell Tinsley at? <laughs> like, I'd put him in front of Parker Washington, honestly. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I'm taking it. I mean, four touchdowns to one touchdown. Like, that means this guy makes plays. And I think that would be the separating factor for me. True. I'm I'm looking him up. I don't know much about this guy, honestly. Uh, he, let's see. He was a transfer. Oh, is he the transfer from Miami? No, that's uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Like. He left after Mr. Zappy did. 61205, he would at least have a start had to have a chance. Second team all conference USA uh bowl player of the week. Oh, last year 87 receptions for 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Why did he go to Penn State? He's not getting any stats at Penn State. Yeah, I don't know. Wanted to win uh 9 games. <laughs> But yeah, I like Mitchell Tinsley. I I, I mean, I, I as the sickos we are, I watched more Western Kentucky games than I'm proud of. But they were electric last year, and I'm not I'm not gonna say yeah, he had a. I'm mad about it, but yeah, I put him above Parker Washington, yeah. and then yeah, I, uh, I think I agree. This kid was balling last year. Nine grabs, 164 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, 173 yards on nine catches, two touchdowns. Seven for 103, two touchdowns. Like, I, yeah, I mean, let's, I, I, let's I, go I would, through it though. Emeka Ekuki, you sitting him for Mitchell Tinsley? No. You sit in uh, – uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., not a chance. You're no, not sitting it's not, not at all. Julian Fleming, no chance. I mean, I think that's where the argument starts, but I I'd, I still say no. Like, I, Julian Fleming's like an athletic freak. That, like, you have to – like, that's also the part that's hard is like Marvin Harrison Jr., 6'4", like 205 pounds. Uh, Emeka Ibuka is like 6'2", 205 pounds. And then Julian Fleming is like 6'2", like 225 pounds and runs like a 4'4'40". Yeah, so uh, they have Julian Fleming at 205 on Ohio State's roster. I said, you're a liar. Ain't no way. He's 205. That's yeah, not happening. no chance. He's um, like, he just doesn't – he hasn't changed his weight in the program. Like, that's yeah. just all it is. Like, he yeah, forgot I to think, fill out the paper. Honestly. So, I think – so, okay, this is what I'll give Mr. Tinsley. This is what I'll give him. He would make without Jason. He would maybe make Ryan Day and Brian Hartline play four wide receivers instead of three. Because who is our fourth wide receiver? Like we don't really have one. It's the tight ends, you know. Like we don't really yeah. see Jaden Ballard that much. Like maybe he gets in the rotation in that, and they have to play a fourth wide receiver a little bit more enough where you kind of know his name, right? Or you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. he has a little bit of stats, something like that. We're not because you know we're not really getting that um, too much with our guys, uh, and even that's hard to say because Brian Hartline loves to just have two wide receivers and then not throw to anybody else because that's what he did the last two years. Uh, so it's kind of amazing that we have three guys with good stats. But yeah. I, I would give him that he could get on the field and he would play more than our no-name fourth wide receiver now. Um, but outside of that, expect and if JSN is counting, he's not seeing the field. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, the next guy on offense, we, we've got Juice Scruggs. I, I thought – so using uh, Conference Commandos list, uh, I this one just kind of shocked me. You know, I don't know where the top – like I, he's not starting over Donovan Jackson. He's so not starting like over – Luke Whipler. He's not starting over Paris Johnson Jr. He's not, you know. You have to make the argument he starts at right guard. And I don't even think it's worth it to, like, argue about this one. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to say about this. Um, He's had seven career starts. I mean, he basically is Matt Jones. Yeah, and take you know, take the guy you know. I guess maybe if we, you know we had the hours because we got paid for this full time, we could throw on the tape and and try to watch the the guard and see you know the ins and outs and stuff to see if there's something that we like better. But I think at at max, it's a wash, and it depends on play style and what you prefer. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Penn State's offense line play, and I'm good. I'm not liking it. <laughs> like I'm not. Like, uh, even, you know, we'll get to the left tackle. He may be a guy, but he just kind of copped on the scene this year. And I don't know where he was last year because their offensive line wasn't good. So even he is kind of a – he would have to switch positions. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a tough one. What's the what's the left tackle's name we're just talking about right now? I keep um, blanking on it. I can't pronounce it. Um, it's – oh, hold on. Because I looked it up, and then they just gave me a bunch of linemen. They didn't just give me the left tackle, and it just says OL. I know, I know uh, which one it is. I just have to look. I'm gonna have to look it up. Um, is I he can't a sophomore? Say, yeah, it starts with an F. His last name starts with an F. Fashanu. Yes, that's him. He's a. I think Fashanu. Yeah, he's literally in the same exact position as Paris Johnson Jr. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's not starting. I'll give him once again. We'll give it a wash. Like not worth arguing. Take the guy you know. Uh, yeah, but, and people people will argue that you know, in the draft boards, people some people have him ranked over Paris Johnson Jr. Um, so call it a wash if you want to. I think he would move the right tackle. Yeah, that would be pretty nasty though. To be honest, I would take him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not over Dewan, but like, if he moved, I, I take him. I'd probably take him over Dewan at right tackle. I mean, we love Dewan, but Dewan's not re- irreplaceable. Yeah. So, you went to the same high school as uh, Caleb Williams, fun fact. The Olamoyu Fashanu. Sorry, I butchered that one. I think I got it right the first time. The second time, not even close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. I, 6'6", 308, uh, good size. That sounds like a very athletically built lineman. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, he's from Water Front, Maryland. Okay, all right. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out what happened to him last year. Did he play last year? 2021 appeared in nine games on offense, not making one. I don't know, man. Listen, I understand that he's hopped up on the scene last year, this year, and that's great for him. People have him as a potential draft pick. I'm not going to say he's not good. I'm just going to say, if you couldn't start for Penn State last year, how good could you be? He's had to make a miraculous jump because Penn State's offensive line has not been good in a while. And I would not draft this guy because this is literally his first season starting. Yeah, and we talked about that quite a bit, like with Paris Johnson. Like most NFL evaluators want two years of offensive line film at the position you're supposed to play. And at least Paris has two. It's just at two different positions. Yeah. Uh, It is funny, though. The coaching staff of Penn State's named the offensive player of the game two times, though. I mean, so he is good. Like, I'm not saying that he's not. And I love the offensive line, but I can't say that I've watched him solely enough to have a great opinion. So I just, 
there's some things that would kind of scare me away and maybe throw in the bias. I, I think if he's as good as what I'm hearing, and I don't have a reason not to trust the people that are saying it, I think he could maybe start over Dewan. But I'm not giving him starting over Paris. Yeah, I, I'm, I think that's 100% reasonable. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think that's it. Sean Clifford over C.J. Stroud, easy. Uh, the running backs is interesting, but I don't think, like, I would like Nick Singleton on Ohio State's roster, but I'm not, like, breaking down doors to make it happen, I guess is what I'd say there. Yeah, I mean, I like our guys. Yeah. Like, is he better than Travion Henderson? No. Uh, I think you could probably consider it or maybe not even. I'd say Mayan's just incrementally better right now, but one's a true freshman. But also, so if you want to take that into consideration. Yeah, but also if you wanted one of them, you'd probably want Katron, right? Or is Nick the Bruiser? Uh, they're both. Uh, I mean, they're they're thick running backs, both yeah, of them. Katron's a little one, bigger. Yeah. One plays more like Mayan. The other one plays more like Trey. And I think Nick yeah, Singleton is Katron is a little bit more like uh, – Mayans. Yeah, you don't want two of the same running backs no matter how good they are. So you probably want Katron instead of Nick Singleton anyway if you're not going to say he's better than Trey, and I'm not sure that he is. Yeah, I, I will say I would like two Travion Hendersons. I mean, It would be pretty scary. Yeah, I'd like to pick up a yard you. every once in a while. But. <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty, pretty scary for the other team and pretty scary for you in short yardage. <laughs> it's like, man, it's like in the video game. Uh, God, that's a very video game mindset right there. Just get the highest speed running back. Yeah, and then never pick up. A, and then and then you're bouncing it outside on fourth and one. Like, yeah, housing it because it's like the computer's too dumb to like spread. Like, no, that's coming. Uh, all right, well, we got defense here. Uh, I don't think we need to go through the whole defense. We'll just go through their their highly touted players. I'll start with PJ Mustafer. Uh, Mustafer? Uh, I think that one. Second one. Mustafer. All right. We'll go with Mustafer. Uh, PJ's that's like my musty. name. is not starting yeah, on this I was team. Say, I'd, I'd be like me if I wasn't Chris and I was musty. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 22 total tackles. Uh, he's coming off an ACL injury. He's a fifth-year guy. Uh, I think we already got that. And I don't think he's better than Teron Vincent. Yeah, I think he's a little overrated. Uh, I think it's one of those guys that you just kind of, you know. He's been consistent for – he. Uh, I don't want to use Zach Harrison because he's playing so well. Uh, I don't want to use Tyreek Smith because Tyreek Smith was a big game player. Uh, I'm I mean, trying to think. He, it's probably Haskell John, Garrett with – it's probably Haskell Garrett without the big final year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because Haskell Garrett was pretty steady, and then he just had the really good final year, and PJ's not having that, in my opinion. I mean, like, oh, this one doesn't say tackles for loss, but 22 tackles in the season. I mean, he's not playing no bad, sacks. but he's not playing great either. Yeah, I mean, 22 no. tackles. I mean, he couldn't have that many TFLs. Yeah, no. Um. But, yeah, I, I think he's definitely not starting over my call. I think Teron clears him. Uh, man, I mean, Tyreek's different than pretty much any defensive lineman in the world. So, yeah, like, there's, and, there's only like seven Tyreek Williamses in the world. Yeah. And, like, he's probably going to have more stats than some of our guys. But, like, he's their guy. Yeah, like. 
if our guys played as much as he did, then you know, mm-hmm. yeah, Mike Hall. I think for defensive tackles is leading the team with fifteen, but he has seven and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks and one fumble yeah. return. Like, um, and I know PJ Mustafer plays a lot of that one technique, eat up blocks, like that type of style to clear way for the linebackers. But still, like that's so what our interior guys do. Yeah, like that's the job. <laughs> that's literally on. So I like I saw that argument online, like. He's just doing his job really well. And, like, yeah, but, like, you can still do your job well and be, like, an impactful player. Yeah. Again, not saying he's not good. He's one of their better players, but. I would he, like him in the rotation. But, yeah, he, but he's he's not he's not going to be the alpha dog that, you know, we were talking, that uh, Jim Knowles was talking about. Yeah. I mean, maybe he comes in before. Um, so maybe he comes uh, – he probably definitely comes in before Jerron, right? You know, he yeah. probably takes over Jerron, uh, something like that. But he's in the rotation for sure. He's in the top three. But for sure, starter, like like what people are saying, like replacing someone's snaps, uh, he's not doing that. Yeah. And, like, just looking at his recruiting ranking, uh, class of 2018, I'm pretty sure that was the same class as Teron Vincent. He was the fifth defensive tackle. Uh, Teron Vincent was the number one defense tackle. And then also, Ohio State got Tommy Togia as well, that class. So there is a reason PJ Mustafer is at Penn State and not Ohio State. And that's because Ohio State got Teron Vincent and Tommy Togia. Yeah. Still a good player, but you know. Yeah, the question like, wasn't would, who would play at Ohio State, the question was who would start at Ohio State. Start, yeah. And he would, I'd say he'd definitely play. Oh, and they also got Tyler Friday right behind him. So they got three guys right in the same range as PJ Mustafer. That's so, um, I think that's, I think that's pretty much that argument there. Uh, next on the list, we got Curtis Jacobs before the season. I'd probably be much more willing to say yeah on this. What could you, okay. So I'm actually going to pause myself here. I like steel chambers a lot, but what if they had Curtis Jacobs and Tommy Eichenberg? I mean, I okay. This is hard for me to answer because I watched him. I watched him and their linebackers against um, Penn, against uh, Michigan. Michigan, and it was one of well, the worst things I've ever oh, seen. I'll raise you this. I watched Steel Chambers against Michigan last year, and it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, but Steel Chambers wasn't a linebacker last year. Mm-hmm. He was a guy at the I position. Know, I, just, I was just I mean, doing it. I was doing that. Okay, so listen. <laughs> I haven't watched as much Penn State because I hate watching them. I, tell you I this, do not enjoy I've watching Penn multi- State. I've seen multiple of their games. He hasn't jumped off the f- he hasn't jumped off the screen to me. No. Like I had to look him up, and I love linebackers. I can name a lot of linebackers at a lot of places. Like I was hyping up a Rutgers linebacker last year that nobody was talking about. Like I he that. didn't jump that off the screen to me. Like, he, he just didn't. And now I look, and I understand that stats aren't everything, but last year, <clears throat> excuse me. In 12 games, he had 61 total tackles, seven for a loss, three sacks, and one interception. Eh, that's mid. Like, it's, it is what it is. In seven games this year, he has 36 tackles, three and a half for a loss, one sack. Like, I mean, I, I like, 
again, stats aren't everything, but I've watched the games. He hasn't jumped off the field. He hasn't jumped off the screen to me, and his stats aren't matching that. So I'm just not sure what everyone is excited about. I mean, you read our linebacker stats. Tommy, 57 tackles, seven tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks, interception. He's he's essentially Steel Chambers. In, in yeah. seven games, Steel Chambers has 35 tackles, four for a loss, one sack, one interception. And one pass defense. Yeah, That's I, essentially what he, he had. And so it's like, I mean, maybe you could argue because he's a maybe he's a little bigger, maybe he's a little bit more technically sound. He could be steel, I guess. But we said start, not play, and I'm not confident in it. And I don't know how anyone else is confident in confident in it. And I'm hearing a lot of hype on him about national podcast and this and that. And I'm not yeah, getting it. He, I don't know what they're seeing. He's a good player. It's just is he significantly better than what Ohio State has to the point where it's like automatic start? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I I don't think so either. And I'm not saying he's not a good player, but like. You're the guy at Michigan, and you're not going to have 100 tackles this year. You yeah, have 30 it, tackles in seven games, and you play Michigan. Got like 10 more tackles than you. Like, uh, come on, yeah. man. I'm, uh, I'm not seeing it. How, how are you the guy in the safety got more tackles? You know, every, every Ohio State fan like knows how I about feel it. about safeties having more tackles than linebackers. It's, it's not it. None of our safeties it's, have more, none of our safeties have more tackles than Steel Chambers because they're yeah, not supposed no, that's to. how it should be. And he that has he has twenty two less. Steel Chambers has twenty two less tackles than Tommy Eichenberg, and none of our safeties have more tackles than him because they're not supposed to. And so I just can't. I can't do it. I don't know what people are seeing. I think people just like the name, and that's cool. It's Curtis Jacobs. Curtis Jacobs sounds like a linebacker's name. I like it. Like it. Like you said, Two Curtis Jacobs, names. linebacker. I get it, but I'm not giving it to him. I think he's a little overhyped, in my opinion. Uh, you can't. You can't not jump off the field and and say. Uh, I mean, because like, I mean. I don't know how much I can't say you pay attention to every linebacker in the Big Ten, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But I do like, not. you're not taking him over Jack Campbell. You're not no, taking him over I, Tommy. I, he's probably in that seven or eight range. Like, I don't think he's. I don't think he'd be the number one on any team with like an elite linebacker. Which is because I, I don't think he's an elite <laughs> linebacker. So. I think he's a really good linebacker, which is like why he fits in the Steel Chambers category really well. Yeah, so he, he was he's their guy. He's a uh what year is this? What year is this? He's a junior? No. Yeah. I think second or third year sophomore. Class of twenty twenty. Class of twenty twenty. He was thirty six nationally, third outside linebacker, third player in Maryland. I'm not sure he's lived up to that. Yeah, four star, well. four star prospect, high four star prospect. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to hit on the guy. I'm really not, but I got a high standard for linebackers, and he's not meeting that. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, you want to get on to Jair Brown or yes. Joey Porter next? Uh, Jair we'll, Brown. We'll start. Let's go with Jair for sure. All right, <clears throat> this is their best player on their entire team, in my humble podcaster's opinion. I think he is an All Big Ten player. Um, but does that mean I think he'll start? I don't know. Is he the one position? There's two positions he played because he's not a nickel. He's two 
He's a little bit not. I don't want to say hefty, but he's definitely built more like Ronnie Hickman, more like Josh Proctor, more like that than what we've seen from the nickel corners or nickel safeties at Ohio State. So it's hard to take the bias out of it because I think we love our safeties, but I also am he's not a guy five eleven two oh two. Yeah, so not the biggest guy, Yeah, but that's pretty stout for a safety. It's it's a real pepper size. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I like Jim Knowles loves Lathan Ransom, so I like. I don't think he starts over Lathan Ransom. Yeah, that's the that's the hard thing. He is he was the and we kind of talked about this a little bit before. He's the hardest one to me because my eyes tell me he would start at Ohio State, but then when I actually like you know like I, I you know to I'm one of those people. It. Yeah, I'm one of those people that feel like if you're gonna say it, who are you replacing? Like if you're putting this guy in your top ten, who are you taking out? Like I think you need to do that, and it's just hard. Like my eyes tell me he's gonna do it. He would start, and I look at it and it's like man. Jim Knowles loves um, Ronnie Hickman and his defense is hard. The thing that like, we're probably thinking about this a little too hard, but with Jim Knowles' defense, you also have to be smart and be able to do it. And all the things that he said about Ronnie, is he starting over Ronnie? I don't know. know. That's the guy. That's the one. I I don't think he starts over Lathan. Yeah, because you could argue Lathan has been playing the best of all of our safeties this year. And Lathan has been put on some watch list for end of season awards. Yeah, so I, I think, honestly, it would be, like, I would love to have him. I, I think you you could make it work. Yeah, I would love That's to have him thing. because iron sharpens iron, and we're either going to have the greatest safety rotation of all time, or he's going to up his play just like Tanner did and start over one of those guys. Like, he's either going to yeah. be a significantly above average backup, or he's going to up his play and start over one of these guys, and you can't lose him. So... Yeah, I mean you can't I, lose in that scenario. Trying to pull the bias out, I don't know because I think Ronnie Hickman's an All Big Ten guy as well. I just think Jair Brown's a little bit better at covering receivers downfield, and he has better ball skills. And but I don't know if that's enough for me to just like give it up. I don't because what Ronnie does in the box and in the run game is borderline irreplaceable. Yeah, for sure. Um, this one's hard. We'll say he is a co-starter. I say he starts. I'm gonna say he starts. Yeah, co-starter. That's a good. Yeah, one. co-starter. Uh, he's he's like. Well, okay, okay. Let's let's just do this. He's a starter because he'll take. Um, uh, God, why did I forget his name already? That's how that's how good he's been playing. Um, what's the safety that everyone? Josh Proctor. Josh, Josh Proctor. Proctor. He'll take yeah. Josh Proctor's spot. We have four starting safeties. He'll take Josh Proctor's spot. He's a co-starter with one of them. Yeah. But we'll make him yeah, a co-starter no. with Lathan because Lathan was the one that was going back and forth with, with Proctor. We'll, we'll make him a co-starter with Lathan. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think – yeah, no, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, 100%. We figured it out. He definitely would play at Ohio State though. Absolutely. Like, stop playing. That's why – I think Joey Porter Jr. is the easiest one. Yes. Resounding. Yes, he's playing at Ohio State. He's starting right now. If they put his jersey on, he would be – it would probably be him. And I honestly, like, 
the more I hear, like thinking about how they talk about Jordan Hancock with him healthy, I think it would be Jordan Hancock and Joey Porter. Yeah. So the the thing about this, and I would be fine with that. Denzel has put together four straight really really good games. Yeah. Um, I saw someone stat, and he had he's given in the last four games he's given up two catches on like six targets for like four or five yards. Four yards. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's been great. I'm just saying, like, Joey Porter is definitely in that three man rotation. I mean, he, he's 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 starting, and then yeah, it's, he's and the then first it's guy a out there. Three man battle between it's Cam, probably Jordan Denzel, Hancock and being Hancock. the guy. Yeah, yeah, Cam or Jordan Hancock playing that third guy. Yeah, with Denzel because I think Denzel still has the highest ceiling. It's probably him and Denzel, and then we have two of the best backup safe corners in the world, and Jordan Hancock and Cam Brown. Yeah, it, that'd be that's real scary season. I, I didn't want to talk about that because I, 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 you couldn't hold me down living in a world like that. Yeah, you put Joey Porter on this team or uh, Clark Phillips, and you couldn't stop me from screaming. Ohio State's winning the national championship. Yeah. I'm so mad we don't have Clark Phillips. I'm so mad you brought that up. Sorry. Uh, my fault. It was, every once in a while, it escapes my mind that that happened. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'll be watching him at 10 o'clock tonight. Oh, yeah, me too. And I, uh, So you guys don't go jump to your TV if you're listening to this at like 9.30. It's, we're recording on a Thursday. <laughs> First of all, if you don't know that that's happening on Thursday, what are we doing? This is not live. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All jokes aside, uh, let's get into some presser takeaways. Uh, I didn't I didn't listen. I, I have not done a good job of, like, listening to the player interviews. Uh, I did the first, like, three or four weeks, and they were just a bunch of nothing burgers. And most of the good stuff is written into, like, like 2,000-word features. So I just read those, and then I get the whole effect. Um, there are other people doing a lot of work for me. So I just took the Ryan Day stuff because I think oh. I learned a lot. And then yeah. there's a few other like notes. I know you, you, we've talked about some stuff. Um, Bef- before we get into this, just really quickly, because I've heard from a lot of Penn State people, yes or no, in your opinion, the stadium is three fourths full at noon. We didn't talk about that as a factor. Uh, I think we've talked about it before, but for those who aren't realizing, uh, it's a noon kick, and Ohio State fans have problems getting into the stadium at noon. Uh, Penn State fans, in most cases, are not in that stadium at noon. Um, but it's Ohio State, so it's a little, it could be different. The only yes time no, they don't have quarters. trouble getting into the stadium is for the whiteout. So yeah. I'm going to say yes, they have trouble getting everybody into the stadium right at the start. Yeah, we could be up twenty. We could be up two touchdowns before that stadium is three quarters. Before full. the fans get there, and they're doing is, some ridiculous checker out. So like, could uh, be lit. Yeah. So uh, no one cares about that. I think that is a, a factor uh, because Penn State is not super successful in their whiteouts, oddly enough, but it is still a factor. Uh, I think, you know, sun out, not all the white jerseys, uh, less, you know, uh, crazy crowd. This could be a this could be a game where they get steamrolled. Yeah, not I'm not sure I'm ready to predict that. I'll wait until the the next like 10, 15 minutes. I'll figure it out. But it's it's an option for sure. Hey, Penn State finally won their whiteout game. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dominant fashion too, so good for them. Sorry, I just I yeah, just thought well, about that. We can we can yeah, move on. No, I think that's a good question. I, I don't think it'll be full. I, it's hard. It's hard for students to get in all the activities they want to get in uh, and get to a new game. I learned that quite a bit. Yeah, because here's the thing. Older people may be tailgating at 6 a.m., but students are not. No, they start at 8, 9. Uh, I remember I missed Saquon's kickoff return for touchdown. Yeah, I couldn't get into the stadium. There are times that I there like when I was at West Virginia, and all you can do is drink and go to football games. There are times I wouldn't get to the tailgate until ten thirty. Like, yeah, and then you need to drink because you can't do it at the stadium. By the time you get to the game, second, third quarter, like, and West Virginia has one of the best football atmospheres that I've been to, uh, especially for like a small stadium and a team that's not very good. Uh, great, great place to watch a game. Not gonna lie, there's not a bad seat in the field. Um, Those are the best stadiums to me. Um, that's how Utah Stadium is. Rice Eccles, not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. Uh, I I want to add that to my list of stadiums to go, but I don't ever want to go to Utah. So, yeah, three percent beer. I don't. Uh, respectfully, I don't think the Mormons will let me out. So, <laughs> respect. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah like I'm not. Right, I'm not let's get. To, let's let's get off. Who are we? Religion. We got there. Gonna go. My religion. Football. Presser takeaways. Ryan Day, a deity, I, I would call him, uh, to many Ohio State fans. Uh, my favorite thing was Day bringing up Noah Ruggles. Like, this was an early question. And he's like, yeah, he kept the momentum in the game with his accuracy. You feel like sometimes you're losing four points, but these games get more and more difficult. So it's nice. I'll, I'll be honest. It, this was nice for him to bring up because it reminded me. It's like we really hadn't seen Noah Ruggles kick in like six games. Yeah. The only – literally the only bad thing about our offense being so good is Noah Ruggles isn't going to get a chance to uh, win the – okay, so I think I messed this up. Is the Lou Garza Award punter or kicker? Uh, do you know? Either kicker. way, Rose's kicker guy is okay. So I was right. Great guy's punter. He's not going to get a chance to win the Lou Garza Award, which he should have won it last year over Michigan's kicker. They gave it to Michigan's kicker because they beat Ohio State, which whoop the freaking do. But Noah Ruggles didn't miss a freaking kick all year. I think he missed one, and he had like better like averages, better distance, and things like that. And yes, I'm a sicko. I'm talking about freaking kickers and kicker awards. Uh, hey, he Ryan came back, a sicko too. Yeah, he came back, and I wanted him to win it and he's not going to win it because he's going to have less than 10 kicks on the year. That's the only downside to this offense. But hey, if that's the only yeah. downside, you know, whatever. Kickers are human. It's not a bad you know, place whatever. to live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite thing. I was like reading through them on like, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing really here. What do you expect? Uh, but then, yeah, you know, I, I think the other thing about this is you feel like sometimes you're losing four points. Like that is such a modern day coaching, like philosophy because I remember like you go back just 10 years ago don't mess up my field goal that was like a very intrusive mindset to the game of football yeah now the head coach of Ohio State and we've had Woody Hayes we've had Earl Bruce we've had nothing but conservatism for like 60 years and now we get a coach saying feels like you're losing four points it just it like exploded my brain absolutely I think that's hilarious but um I'm with it for sure uh, because I hate cowardly field goals. So, yeah, 
it, I think when you're playing an overmatched offense, it's okay to take field goals. Like, so, like, I'm not mad about those decisions in the first half when the game's in, like, the balance. Um, and then you come out the second half and you go, all right, let's make some adjustments, five straight touchdowns. What do you do? You know, but Ruggles, I think getting him, get the rust off a little bit, right? You need that. As much as we hate it, you need him to kick a few field goals. Yeah, because there's going to be a game where it's needed. Uh, yeah. Alabama needs their kicker this year. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't know. believe in kickers. Yeah, I, Nick Saban doesn't believe in getting a good kicker. I don't yeah. know how he's had, like, he doesn't think two, he, like 10 years he's had multiple huge losses because of his kickers. He just doesn't believe that kickers are human. He doesn't think they're real. Um, fake news. Uh, I don't know what know it how is. how you get recruited to kick it out of Bama. You don't. You, I think they, they probably just go to students. <laughs> like, honestly, they're just like, hey, did anyone play soccer in high school? Okay. You, you can kick for us. Uh, I, yeah. I'll say this, and this is why the whole Tennessee thing keeps making me mad, because they keep talking like they dominated Alabama, even though they tried to give the game away, and Alabama just doesn't have a good defense. Uh, if Alabama had Noah Ruggles, Tennessee would be have a loss. Uh, I'd tell you that. Yeah, 100%. That's true, and that's why we're talking about kickers like the sickos we are. Um, I have but no yeah, no. I, I, the one thing that makes me the most mad about the Tennessee thing is like TCU's had, beat Texas by more points than, or not Texas. They beat Oklahoma State, who beat Texas. And. That's why I put TCU in my top six this week uh, because I'm like – I'm using the transitive property here. Like if TCU can do that to a team that beat them, Texas, uh, Alabama only beat Texas by one point. That is not a lot of points. And Texas is not good yet. I think they're going to be good. I do. But they're not good yet. Yeah. So I, and that's what frustrates me. Their two biggest wins uh, – Tennessee's like three biggest wins have been all by one possession – and it's like they haven't been against any good teams like Pitt, Alabama. I think Alabama is probably seven or eight for me right now. Yeah, I'm not against that at all. I didn't put TCU there because TCU has won two games where they were down 17 points, and I just don't think that's sustainable. Yeah, so. no, I 100% agree. I don't think it's sustainable either, but I'm going to ride it while I can. <sighs> hey, might as well. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's Try a good to get chance. some clicks. Yeah, there's a good chance that Alabama loses another game anyway. So, um, yeah, I really thought you... the Ole Miss game would be dangerous for them, but not anymore. Ole Miss. Now it's LSU. Uh, think, they beat, They just played Mississippi State, right? Yeah, and they no, won twenty four to seven, I believe. I still, I still think the Ole Miss game will be dangerous because Ole Miss has an offense. Yeah, and honestly, Ole Miss's defense is not bad. And, uh, and just, if Jackson you, Dart could show up, like yeah. they could be, they could do it. And, 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 and Mississippi State doesn't have a real offense. Like that yeah. offense has never worked Mississippi, against a good team. God, we're we're on to Mississippi now. Mississippi runs the football. Ole Miss runs the football. Yeah, they and do. Alabama struggles. Like, yep. Like Henry Henry two hundred two has been like honestly one of the biggest disappointments in my college transfer career. Uh, that's that's very interesting. I can't say it's, I disagree. I, it's just I wanted them, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think it worked out. Did you see uh, Carmani McLean just wasted three years of his life? We'll get him in two Miami. years in the transfer portal. You. Although maybe we maybe we won't because that one corner 
that uh, went to North Carolina didn't transfer, and he's the only good player on their defense, if he's even a good player anymore. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. Tony Grimes. Defense, was, defense is he reclassified and everything. That was crazy. Yeah. Defense he is the playing, worst. He reclassified late. Ends up starting as a true freshman 17-year-old. Dog. Crazy. Difference maker. All right. Next on the pressers on what Iowa did against the Ohio State offense. Um, they typically play a ton of quarters. Uh, Ryan Day saw a lot of more pressure, saw a lot more single high. It took a few drives to get it recognized. Uh, I So a big conversation topic was like, oh, we had like such good field position. Like it made it tough for us to find a rhythm. Like they were such short fields. And, you know, hearing that, it's like, all right, you're a spoiled brat, Ryan Day. <laughs> but uh, now like thinking about it, like, they had like four drives start at their 40 yard line in the first half. So they really only had like seven plays to drive to really see what Iowa was doing. So, like, it probably did take a little bit more time to adjust because you're not seeing what they're doing in the full field. And then you just have their red zone defense. And, it, like, Iowa's red zone defense is good. So, I kind of get it. I just think Ryan Day's messaging the first time around was wrong. It's like you just didn't get to see everything because the field was short. I think that's a much more appropriate way to message that. Yeah, I don't I don't think Kevin Wilson should talk much because he doesn't do anything, but he explained it better. Yeah. Because the one he explained it, he essentially said, You don't know if they called this because it's third down or if they called it because it's third down in the red zone. So like you don't know if they're playing the regular defense or red zone defense and you really don't get to figure that out when you're that when you're when you're that, that close, close yeah. and then the field gets tightened and things like that. I think when you say it that way it sounds a little less complainy and more like actual like, oh, there's something to this. Yeah, but that's what it makes sense, honestly, if you think about it that way. Yeah. My my thoughts on this is do you know how good your offense has to be to take a top five offense and make them do something that they never do? Like literally the thing that makes them a top five offense and gets them a defensive score game almost for the last two seasons and all of this kind of stuff. And they're like, That's not good enough. Let's change it. Yeah, that's that's a pretty damn good offense. That's the biggest compliment you can give anybody. Yeah, like we have to do everything different because, yeah. So we'll see if Manny, if Manny Diaz takes that same approach like we said earlier. I and think the last Diaz thing, is too stubborn. I oh, think that's one it. of the problems I have with him. Yeah, he was really stubborn at Miami. Yeah, got him fired. I, like for a Miami guy, how do you recruit the area so badly? God damn. I don't know. Uh, we don't need to go down that tangent. Roger Cristobal is going to be a great recruiter who just never wins a good game because he's a fake coach. Yeah, Mario, uh, I'm sorry. We don't have to talk about Dan this. Lanning's got a better team in Oregon right now with all the same players. I, that Cristobal got there. They're they're better than any Cristobal team right now. I I hate Mario Cristobal. He has the least swag of any coach. Like how how is an offensive how line, man? Come on. Okay, come on now. How did you play at the U during the time that it was the U and you immediately go there and say, We don't want to be fun? No turnover chain, no hype, no video, no cool things. We're gonna be oh, we're gonna be tough. Uh, we're gonna run the ball down their throat. You've never had a good running game. Like nobody cares about that. You're gonna get all these, you're gonna get all these players 
from Miami who want to play with grills, who have ugly ass haircuts like Kodak Black, who because that's just a Miami thing, uh, like who are just cool, like have swag, who want to have fun, and you're just gonna ruin them and make them play soulless football to win eight games in the ACC. Yeah, they're gonna end up in Tallahassee where Mike Norvell's gonna let them have fun. It's terrible. Non serious. Uh, or you could go to Jackson State and play for a real Miami guy. I mean, he hired Deion Sanders. He, he hired Tony Gaddis as his offensive coordinator. He just doesn't know football. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You're right. No, I. <laughs> I don't know how he smiled in this. Tony Gaddis, Evan Gaddis, Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis. Yeah, we'll call him Evan It's fake. Yeah, he, he seems like a Tony. Honestly, <laughs> Tony Elliott. It's because he's like Tony Elliott, not very good. Ah, oh, that's what it was. I, I mixed them together. Tony Gaddis, <laughs> Josh same Elliott. Guy. Doesn't matter. Same guy. Scrub. Uh, <laughs> I already forgot their names. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, Ryan Day. Like, it's weird when he he talks about other stadiums because I think he says this about everyone. But he was very candid. He's like, we all know how difficult it is to go to state college. We're going to turn the music up loud in practice this week. Can't communicate with anybody. Well, like we already alluded to, uh, this game's at noon. It's going to be a little different. I'm sure they'll be able to talk to each other. Yeah. (laughs) I I think they'll be fine. Um, The worst part about playing Penn State is getting to Penn State. Uh, If you've never driven from Ohio to State College, it is the worst drive possible. It absolutely sucks there's no good way to get there they don't have a real airport like it's bad it is really bad um their closest airports in like alatuna which is like an hour two hours away yeah, hour and a half like away an hour and an hour and two hours away and if you don't like buy your ticket be- like seven months before the season you also have to stay in altoona <laughs> because there's nothing in college station so yeah, there's nowhere two, to stay yeah if you want to go to the Penn State game in two years, you should book your hotel now. Yeah, because you know it's going to be there. Like, you know, I I don't like when certain people complain about their jobs because I would do anything to have a job. And uh, some of them I'd be better at it. But beat writers complain about going to Penn State because like Ohio State beat writers specifically because it's almost always the night game. And then they have to stay in Altoona. So they have to write, they have to watch the game. Game ends at almost midnight, write their article, and then drive two hours back to their hotel essentially at three o'clock in the morning because you can't get a hotel in State College. Yeah. Insane. Why don't they just build more hotels? Because there's no space. It's terrible. Have you been there? Stock down some trees. I don't know. I've never been there. I don't plan on really going it's there, a honestly. Terrible place. But if you go there, they have great ice cream. All right, that's a yeah. I, that's a selling point. Yeah. Uh, right all on. right, I got some other I got some other news. Uh, CJ Stroud kind of said it without saying it, but he was kind of alluding. He's like, I don't want to get in any of Jackson's Jackson's personal business. Uh, that's his business, and I don't like the sound of that. No, I just sit down, man. We love you. Hey, You're we, a legend. You got some we, records. Go we'll make, always have the Rose Bowl. Yeah, go make a go make a go make thirty million dollars, man. Like, all right. Uh, I just saw a stat on the ESPN bottom line. Uh, Sean Clifford's three touchdown passes away from having the school record. Uh, 
If it takes four years as a starter to set the school record, does it count the same? No, <laughs> no. That's why, that's the thing with like um, like I love JT Barrett. Like, don't get me wrong, but like JT Barrett has records of accumulation and not of like like there's some of his records that are never going to be touched. But then with like like his touchdown record, I don't think is going to be touched because we're never going to have a starter for more than two years. But his record, I think, like, like his record is like one sixteen. CJ Stroud is going to have like 100 in two years because he averages around 50 touchdowns a year. He just doesn't have that extra, you know, third, third or fourth year. Like, and Penn, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. I want you to guess what is Penn State's touchdown record? Oh, I just saw it. 78. Jeez. What? That's a joke. <laughs> like, 78? It took you four years to get to 78? Can you, like, even... Honestly, this might be bad just college football history knowledge, but can you name, like, a legit, like, Penn State quarterback? No, they haven't had any. They haven't had a good one. Trace McSorley is one of the best quarterbacks in the history. guy, right? That's- he must be the guy with the school record, actually. See, okay, because <clears throat> you don't know this. I, I doubt you know this at the top of your head. To date, how many touchdowns does CJ Stroud have? Oh, come on. I'm good at this. I got this. Uh, 78. Close. 72. Dang. Oh, man. And, I thought it was going to be one of those things where it was like the number. In <laughs> 19 games, he has 72 touchdowns. He's going to eviscerate freaking Penn State. He's going to have more than Sean Clifford by the end of this weekend. <laughs> that's gross. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's just four years to get the 78. That's uh, – I don't even want to that, do that. And that's, that's total, total touchdowns, year. right? No, that's passes. Okay, okay. I was going to say, C.J. Stroud has at least one or two rushing touchdowns. It ain't many. He's got one for sure. Yeah, he got one for sure. Uh, oh, no, he only has one. <laughs> yeah, he only has one. He should have two. The he Michigan have, one. He should have at least, yeah. Yeah, he should have two. He should have five. He just doesn't pull the ball ever. And I'm not someone that thinks he needs to run the ball more. I hate that argument. Although the one where he had 100 yards of space in front of him, it looked like he was doing freaking conditioning drills. That one was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when he runs, I'm like, yeah, please don't. <laughs> It's funny because when he's running behind the line of scrimmage, he looks like a really good athlete. But the minute he breaks the plane, it's like it all. It's it's like where did all that athleticism go? It's like he said you were all league in basketball. You sure about that? (laughs) I don't see the suddenness. Maybe jump shooter. (laughs) Ah, that's what it was. Clay Thompson, no dribble, just Uh, just straight shooting. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we can skip the schedule release thoughts. You could listen to everybody else talk about that. I think it. I put it in there. You know, if we had time, we, yeah, we're running pretty long. Yeah, we don't uh, have to do thoughts. I, we can just acknowledge um, they're staying divisions for 2023. They won't be divisions in 2024. I think it's fair. Let it. Let USC, UCLA get there. Make the real changes. They already have the plan. I'm assuming they probably already planned it out. Now it's just about doing the actual work and then they'll release it at a cool time yeah because i still do assume they want to have these like two or three years out maybe not the same like eight or nine years out that you used to like to have it well but no, like so at least they, as they they uh voted against that they're going to release the schedule for the next year every october 
Okay, cool. Virginia Tech is about to upset NC State, and Clemson is about to have. I like. I understand the quarterback got injured, so it's a little different. But one of Clemson's so-called top twenty-five losses won't be top twenty-five no more. Yeah, it's Um, like Tennessee having four top twenty-five wins. Like, shut up. It's not not true. They do not. Pitt is not a top twenty-five team. They haven't been a top twenty-five team all this year. They were overranked to start. Yeah, for sure. Florida. They beat Utah at home in a first game when not a lot of people had good film on Anthony Richardson in the new scheme. And he hasn't done anything since. If Jack since. Jack Miller wasn't injured with his thumb or whatever it was, he'd be the starter. Yeah, so it's really like we're talking about resumes. This is why ranked wins don't count until the season's over. And it's yeah. how many teams are ranked on your schedule at the end of it. Yep. And usually most teams have two or three. Most the best teams have two or three. That's just kind of I can't wait till Notre Dame beat Syracuse this week and gets a couple wins and they start getting votes and people are like, oh, you know what? Ohio State had a pretty good win week one. That and is, it all comes full circle. That's so childish because that's exactly what's going to happen. Notre Dame beating Clemson. You heard it here first because that's just yeah. the worst thing possible yeah, going to happen. Best thing for Ohio State? Best thing possible, actually. Yeah. Just real sicko. Real sick energy. I love it. Uh, all right. One final thought. Ohio State wins this game if they show up. All right. That's what I wanted you to say. Uh, <laughs> all right. The, the question is, can Ohio State finally beat Penn State by more than two touchdowns? And I think they do. Yeah. Uh, score prediction. What do you got? So I've seen a lot of like 45 to 20s, 42 to 17s. I, I think it's going to be in that area. Um, I, I think that we are going to struggle a little bit. I hope we don't, but I think they'll get a couple big plays, and so there'll be a moment. Okay, it's the Michigan game. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Michigan game. It's going to be close for a quarter or two because something stupid happens, and then we're going to blow them out. So let's see. 45 is a field goal. 48 to 48 to... 20. 48 to 20. Sure. All right. That's cool. I'm going to go. I'm going higher. I, Ohio State. So they, they've scored 49 points in every Big Ten game so far. That's the least they've scored is 49 points. So I'm going to take it in the 50s. I'm going to go 56 to like 16. Beautiful. It's about time. Wait, wait, 55 to 15. No, 55 to 16. I'm going to walk it in there. All I think I it'll be wonky. I, I do think it'll be a little bit weirder of a score. I'm telling you now, if we put 55 on Penn State, Ohio State's won a national championship. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I, I'm honestly like sold on this. I'm sold on this prediction. This is the best I felt about a prediction this year. Oh, really? That, that's not a good sign, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Don't uh, rewind it and act like you never heard me say it. But 55 to 16. That's all I got. Uh, you guys can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB. You can follow the show at Puck Off Pod. Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Jordan W330. And that's it for us today. We'll see you guys after the game on the Instant Recap Podcast. So we will see you then. Go Bucks.